This episode of Womanica is brought to you by BetterHelp. I'm really focused right now on setting goals for myself and for WMN. For me to actually achieve those goals, I know that it's vital for me to take care of my mental health. The easiest way to do that is with BetterHelp. Working with one of BetterHelp's professional counselors is convenient and affordable. I want you to get the support you need too, to start living a happier life today. As a Womanica listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com EW. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com EW. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. This month, we're covering indigenous women from around the globe. Today, we're talking about a woman who dedicated her life to her community. As a respected Maori leader, she spent decades fighting for the rights of Maori people and their land. Let's talk about Fina Cooper. Fina Cooper was born on December 9, 1895 in northern New Zealand. Her father was a prominent leader in the community. He was a chief of the Hokianga tribes and a catechist for the Catholic Church. Growing up, Fina walked six miles to school every day. There, children were taught to read and write in English. They were punished for speaking their native tongue. But when Fina returned home, her father taught her about the Maori people, passing on Maori traditions, chants, and cultural medicines. In 1904, Fina and her family moved to Panguru. When Fina finished school at 18, her father arranged a marriage for her, but Fina refused. Over the next couple of years, she worked in a variety of positions. She was a teacher, a clerk for a local cooperative, and a housekeeper for a religious institution. Then, in 1917, Fina fell in love with a Maori surveyor named Richard Gilbert. Their marriage created a stir among her siblings and the larger Panguru community, where it was customary for community members to be included in decision-making around marriages. Fina and Richard moved into her father's home, but after both of Fina's parents died within the course of a year, Fina's siblings evicted the couple. Fina and Richard were forced to leave Panguru. They moved into a small shack. To survive, Fina sold gum that she dug out of the fields that surrounded the house. In 1920, Fina's luck changed. A priest she had worked for lent her money to buy back her father's home and farm, plus the village store. Fina returned to Panguru, and in under three years, she'd grown the village store into a thriving business, paid off her loans, opened three new stores, plus a post office. Fina quickly became a leader in the community. She organized a community center, opened a community clinic next to one of her stores, founded a branch of the New Zealand Farmers Union, and coached children's rugby and basketball. In 1929, New Zealand's parliament passed legislation to help Maoris develop land into profitable farms. Fina helped with the implementation of this law, becoming the supervisor for nearly 7,000 acres of farmland. She was a huge reason for the program's initial success. While doing this work, Fina met a government official named William Cooper. Their professional relationship quickly turned romantic, just as Fina's husband, Richard, was battling with cancer. When Richard died in 1935, Fina was pregnant with William's child, and she announced that she would marry William as soon as he could get a divorce from his first wife. This decision challenged both Maori and Catholic customs. And once again, 
Fina's decision about who she was going to marry forced her to leave home. Fina and William moved to Kamo with her three children. The couple had four more children together. Though she was technically in exile, Fina was still active in the Maori community, organizing events and ceremonies. In 1941, after Fina and William officially married, Fina returned to Panguru and officially resumed her role as a community leader. In 1947, she became the first woman elected president of a rugby union branch. In 1949, William died unexpectedly of a heart attack. Afterwards, Fina decided to join the migration of rural Maori into the city. In 1951, she settled in Greylin, Auckland. There, she helped found the Maori Women's Welfare League and became its first president. At the time, many Maori migrants living in Auckland were living in substandard, overcrowded dwellings and were often being underpaid for their work. The Women's Welfare League painstakingly documented the need for better housing for Maori people, conducting a street-by-street survey. This research persuaded the government to build more adequate housing for Maori tenants. After five years, the Maori Women's Welfare League had 300 branches and 4,000 members. In 1957, Fina stepped down as president. She was given the title Mother of the Nation. But Fina wasn't done organizing. In 1975, white New Zealanders began seizing Maori land. In protest, Fina organized the Maori Land March, a 700-mile march that took place over 30 days and ended at the steps of Parliament. At 79 years old, Fina was at the front of the march, walking alongside her three-year-old granddaughter. In 1981, in recognition of her activism and influence, Fina was made a Dame of the British Empire, the equivalent of being knighted. Fina passed away on March 26, 1994. She died under the Penguru Mountains, on the same land where she'd been born 98 years earlier. Her leadership in the Maori community created a lasting impact. When she died, more than a million people watched her funeral on live television. All month, we're talking about Indigenous women. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow.